Hello, everybody. This is Ed K. Smith from Online Impact and the Domain Show here with our host, Rob K. Hey, hey Rob. G'day, mate. And we are exceptionally fortunate today to have Mr. Gabby Leibovich from uh, catch.com.au, the co-founder, along with his brother, Hezzy, and also uh, Menulog and Scoopon and Luxury Escapes and... Uh, there's probably more that we don't even know about. And um, Catch of the Day, formerly, uh, sorry, catch.com.au, formerly Catch of the Day, uh, sold to West Farmers for over $200 million last year. So that's a fantastic achievement and many other great stories to tell in his new book, plug for the new book, Catch of the Decade. Oh, look, imagine that. He's got one too. I need mine now, but I, 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 deliberately, I deliberately haven't got it yet because I wanted to speak to Gabby first. Um, so, so Catch of the Decade, and I would say uh, probably the best business book I've read, and I've read a lot of business books, but the story of himself uh, and has he, how they went through the process of actually building uh, catch.com.au and the other businesses that we mentioned, and all the money goes to uh, goes to charities. So... Um, Thanks for coming on the show, Gabby. Fantastic to have you. Great being here today with you, uh, Edward and Robert. Um, yeah, thanks. Our, our pleasure. Our pleasure. And this is probably your podcast number 752 that you've done in the last 40 days. So um, we, we'll try to be a little bit different. We obviously want to touch on all of the things, uh, you know, about the history of what you've done. Um, but, you know, I, I would suggest to people to get the real true unadulterated pure history of what has gone on to buy the book because the money goes to charity again and it is i would say not only is the content of the book fantastic just how the book is actually laid out and how it's actually produced and 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 the and the photos because i like pictures i'm one of these guys that likes pictures in books um it's just really easy to read, good size font. It's just probably all around the, the most exciting book I've had in my hands for a long time. And I've got it in Kindle, so I've got it with me everywhere. So we'll put, we'll put links for any good bookstores you can go and get it from online, offline. Um, go to Booktopia with our mate Tony Nash. He'll, he'll give you a good deal. Um, so, okay, let's get cranking. So, uh, Rob, you got some questions you want to lead off with first. You've got up there. Um, yeah, yeah, Gabby. I, I think it's it's across the internet in many different spots. Um, how you grew up in Israel with your brother Hezi, and um, but you moved to Melbourne with your family in 1986. People can find out all about that information everywhere. Um, but can you tell us um, about your your high school years in Melbourne and what was the first business you started? You know kind of straight after that. Okay, uh, nice to be here, guys. And yes, you are different because no one asked me about my high school years. So uh, <laughs> to talk about different stuff. So yeah, yeah. I Australia at the age of 16, finished year 10 in Israel, uh, moved into uh, Mount Scopus College, a Jewish school in uh, Burwood, Melbourne, uh, into year 11. Uh, would you believe in my class was the Australian treasurer, Josh Frydenberg. So <laughs> That's something new that no one knows. Uh, we're going to reveal a lot of secrets here today exclusively for uh, your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, after, after finishing year 12, I went uh, straight to uni, went to Monash, uh, Monash Clayton and did a computer science degree. It's a three-year degree that took me four years to do because I was really shit at it. That's the only way to, uh, to describe it. Uh, yeah. Funnily enough, while I was uh, while I was studying at uni, I also ran my own uh, my own store. I had a store in the suburb of uh, Box Hill, Melbourne, called Alpha Phone. Alpha Phone was around 1990-91. When you look at the timetable, that's where the first Motorola got uh, got uh, launched. You know, the big bricks. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and I was selling those phones and accessories and batteries and early days of fax machines and uh, cordless phones etc remember the panasonic flip phone absolutely yeah. the hottest thing since uh, sliced bread ah. uh, so you can say that that was my uh, my first real job while i was doing that i was also going to melbourne markets on uh, on the weekend and we talk about it in the book as soon as i got my license i was 18 got my holden gemini and started hitting uh one turner market in the suburb of melbourne 
I used to buy uh, apparel and clothing from uh, seconds from a factory in Clayton. And uh, every Sunday I was there, the market started at 8 a.m., but we had to be there at 5 a.m. in order to get a great spot and uh, prepare, your, uh, prepare your goods for sale. So re retail is definitely in my blood. I love retail. I love buying and selling. And we talk a lot about retail and the skills of being a retailer in that book. That, that's, I mean, you talk, the things you learn, I think, at markets, um, it, I think it works across all, all levels of business. Because I, I used to go to the markets myself when I was younger and sell things. And I had a lot of learning experiences, particularly about prejudging who was going to actually buy things I had in my stall. Um, we, my wife and I would have a bit of a guessing game, like, oh, this person will never buy that or that person. And I was wrong half the time. So it was a good lesson in don't prejudge, know your target market. Um, but you talked about the Holden, Holden Gemini as well. And we were chatting um, a, a few weeks ago that we both had the exact same car as our first car, 1980 Holden Gemini. Um, that was a great car. It was good. It was a good car. What was yours? Uh, so mine, was, mine was like a light blue color. So not, not far off the silver. Um, uh, yeah, I don't have it anymore, but I presume you don't have yours. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, not anymore, no. <laughs> no. Funnily, I did see it about 15 years later after I sold it the first time driving around the streets of Perth, which is funny. Um, well, um, I'm glad I brought up that, that question about high school and what you did afterwards, because obviously I didn't know that, but it's clear that um, you were an entrepreneur straight up, um, Gabby, and obviously going to do a computer, computer science degree, um, you could have afterwards, um, you know, looked for a job or, or, or started to or tried to work for a company, but obviously it was just built into you to be like, okay, now I know about that. I'm going to go and um, start some businesses and make some money now. Um, that, that seems to be the entrepreneurial way. Um, should we talk about how long was it since after you were doing that sort of stuff, like at the markets and, and with your phone store that you came up with the idea of, um, catch of the day. So look, uh, in between the uh, markets, followed by that uh, mobile phone store that I talked about, uh, I very much worked in my dad's business, a store in Melbourne called Penacells. It was a single store, something similar to what you would know as JB Hi-Fi or Good Guys. Okay. It was a 500 square meter store, very successful. And we were selling seconds, factory seconds for companies like Panasonic, Philips, Diac. It was a very unique uh, model in the uh, in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, super busy store. But at the end, it was my dad's business. I was number two. But yeah. uh, working there for a whole decade, I've learned everything to, to that, that there is to know about retail, from buying, selling, dealing with suppliers, opening doors, creating advertisements for newspaper, radio, television, marketing, uh, dealing with customers, etc. And yeah. uh, at the age of 32, 32 and a half, I left my dad's business. Uh, why? I just had enough. Uh, and uh, to be honest, I was sort of unemployed, sitting at home for about six months, not doing much. Uh, got, sorry to interrupt, Gabby, but it sounds to me, yeah. while, while you were on the, on the floor doing yeah. retail for, for those 10 years, in your back pocket, you had this computer science kind of yeah. programmed brain that was probably trying to figure out all this stuff, how to do it online. I wouldn't say so. To be honest, I don't think that I've learned that much at uni. And uh, during okay. my uni days, we touched on it earlier. During my uni days, unlike my uh, my uh, study friends that knew that they have to find a job at, uh, at, at at a computer leading company, my dream was always to join my dad's business and make it larger. So my dream was always to turn it into a, a chain of stores rather than a single store. Ah, Just okay. to put it into perspective, we were competing with JB Hi-Fi that only had six stores around Victoria. Okay, oh, wow. so, so it was yeah. early days and there was a, the opportunity was large. Uh, I literally was unemployed working from home. I talk about it in the book, how I flew to China and I imported a single product and put every single cent that I had at the time on a silly item called Moby Ball. I'm not going to bore you with the story. You'll have to read it in the book, <laughs> but, I've, I've, but, I've, but I've lost all my money on it. And then one day I got introduced to, uh, to eBay. Again, very early days of eBay. We're talking late 2003, early 2004. Very few people were using eBay, very few knew about it, uh, etc. When you spoke to suppliers about eBay, the first question they asked you was, what's your retail store? And unless you have a physical retail store, we're not gonna sell you any goods. <laughs> and when you spoke to customers or people from the street about online shopping, no one knew what you were talking about and everyone was asking the question, is it safe to put your credit card online, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, 
no one felt comfortable doing it. And yeah. uh, we sold on eBay literally from the garage for, uh, for a couple of years. Every day driving in my car, taking uh, 10, 20, 30, 40 parcels to the local post office. No different to uh, tens of thousands of you know, small business operators today uh, that, that are doing that. Uh, until we decided to uh, take it big. And uh, you know, we hired a 200 square meter warehouse in the suburb of Murab in Melbourne and hired a team of uh, six people around us. Uh, and I'll let you yeah. ask the next question. Yeah, yeah. So, so, <laughs> I'll say one, one of the words that you, you, you use a lot and is mentioned in the book um, is, and, and please correct me if I get this wrong, chutzpah. Yeah. Chutzpah, uh, which is uh, a Jewish word for balls. <laughs> <laughs> or guts or determination or grit or something along along those lines and i've i've, I've actually used it a lot myself but i think it's so um you, you say that you know for the things that you've achieved there's a high degree of that can you can you go into that a little bit oh yeah i mean israel came up with the word chutzpah it's one of the few words in hebrew that actually made it to the english dictionary uh, wow. quite, quite a common known. Every New Yorker knows it. Uh, yeah. Around, yeah, the Jewish community. Very hard to explain what it is. There's so many definitions for it, but it's a mix of everything that you mentioned. Plus, I mm. have to add uh, arrogance to it, you know? Arrogance, you yeah. The arrogance uh, to be able to uh, get into areas that you are not invited uh, and, 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 create, and create opportunities. Uh, yeah. It also yep. mixed up with, uh, with, with asking. We talk in the book about uh, my my wedding at the soccer. I don't know if you yes. Oh yes, actually, oh. that was one of my next questions. The picture yeah. right there. But I'm a I'm a soccer fanatic, and in 2002 I got married, and at the same week there was a soccer match uh, at um, one of Melbourne's largest stadiums, and uh, I sent an organizer to the email, and I said, "Hey guys, my dream is to get married on a soccer field. Why don't you organize me a wedding at halftime?" <laughs> and, uh, and, that's that is... exactly, and that's exactly what happened. And, yes. uh, the moral of the story there is sometimes in life, all you have to do is ask, you know? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Happened, they had no halftime entertainment and we became the halftime entertainment. It cost me absolutely nothing. And it was one of the best days of my life. Oh, that's wow. fantastic. So that was 2002. So this yeah. is, we're talking, you know, you had no fame or fortune yeah, back then. No one knew who you... I was a salesperson at Penacel's. Just a guy off the street that had the balls and the chutzpah to send an email. And of course, I did not expect it to happen when I sent that email. Uh, the point that I said yes was a one in a million chance and, and I took it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and if you, don't, yeah, yeah. if you don't ask or try, then yeah. you've got no chance, right? Michael Jordan said, you know, you miss all the shots that you don't take, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, yeah. And look, I think that's probably one of the yeah. biggest lessons out of this whole conversation, I think, is that. And that's something I try and impart on my my 22 year old daughter is uh, people often don't ask for the fear of rejection, which is far, which is far worse in my book than actually getting rejected. Um, yeah. Because, you know, there's so many opportunities that can pass you by if you don't have the chutzpah to, uh, to go out there and, and do it. So I, th I think, you know, uh, that's a, that's a brilliant lesson to, um, to put on people and uh, another great reason to, re to read the book. So um so you, you, you're cruising along, you're working hard, you're doing the miles, you're, you're doing all the grunt work. And this is often the thing that people forget about these successful $200 million sales, all the tens of thousands of hours of grunt and grind and rejection and hard work and sweat and tears and everything goes into it. They only see the end result. And um, so we'd, we'd like to get down and dirty uh, with you, Gabby, and get, get into some of the, the stories of that. So so um, you started Catch of the Day with Hezzy in 2006. And um, another thing, I've got a couple of things highlighted in, in, the, in the book that I just will we'll pull this up. Uh, another spoiler alert for people. You've got something and it says here, I'll read it first. We live by our motto, idea by midnight, execute by midday. So by noon the next day, we were ready to go. So you've got that on um in the book so i can see that there we go um so the idea for catch of the day how did that transpire so interestingly enough we talked that uh, most of our ideas and we've built a number of businesses over that uh, roller coaster over a decade 
uh, most of them were not original ideas. And uh, a line that we use in the book to describe it is it's better to be uh, unoriginal and, and successful rather than be uh, original and mediocre. Yeah. And uh, the idea of Catch of the Day was uh, very much a copy of another site that we spotted in the USA around 2005. The site was called Wood, W-O-O-T.com. Wood is still in existence today. You can log on and check it out. And Wood today is owned by Amazon. And they oh. came up with that uh, crazy concept of selling one deal a day. And after running a website, when we launched in 2006, we actually launched a website called dailydeals.com.au. And Daily Deals yep. was the basic department store that at the time competed against the uh, leading department store in the market, a company called Deals Direct that was owned by uh, Mr. Paul Greenberg that everyone yep. knows and loves. And yes. Paul Greenberg had about 5,000 products on his site and we had about 100 products on our site. And we just looked at it and said, we can't compete against that. We don't have the money. We don't have the space. We don't have the people. How, how can we compete on, on range and volume? And uh, we decided that we don't, we shouldn't be competing again in range and volume and we should go the other way and actually make it a lot simpler and congested by offering one deal a day. Saying all that, it sounds like a magical uh, formula today, but back in 2005 or six, when we approached suppliers and told them about our new model, I'm sure when we left the office, they must've thought to themselves, these two guys are crazy. They're selling <laughs> online, what is online? Who's going to buy it? And how can you make a business by selling one deal a day? And, uh, and look, that was our savior. I mean, we, talk, uh, we mentioned that the main reason for our success was our ability to source unbelievable deals unbelievable yeah. products uh just to remind you back in 2006 there was very very little competition online yeah so anything that you are searching for today you can just type it into google ebay and you'll find lots and lots of sellers that sell exactly the same item yeah it wasn't like that in 2006 because uh, jerry harvey was not selling online and neither was jb and neither was maya and neither was kmart or bunnings or office works or anyone else I mean, no. can you believe that Bunnings, Australia's number one retailer, launched its e-commerce site less than 12 months ago? Yes, we know. <laughs> in 2019. So we had no competition. And suddenly, mm. we were able to source a great deal and put it on the page. Uh, people actually talked about it. And we grew tremendously fast uh, by word of mouth. People telling their friends about the latest deals and the latest site that they discovered that uh, you know allows you to save uh, to save heaps of money. Yeah, no, that's look. I clearly remember it because I started my marketing company back in two thousand and three, and so I was very sort of focused on looking at all these things. I was always keeping keeping up with what was launching new businesses online. Um, I mean, I ordered my first online product in nineteen ninety seven from Amazon, so I was sort of like not afraid of using it, which was great. But you know, as I say, still the credit card thing was an issue, but. Um, and I, I, I've used all of your companies. I've bought products on all of them other than the Luxury Escapes. Working on that one after lockdown. That's probably one of the next ones. Um, but you, you, you're right. It's sort of, I think the advantage in my opinion that you had is you were nimble and small and you could pivot and move to different things and test things quickly. With these bigger companies, it took a board of directors and a, it, they, you know, it was like the slow turning elephant compared to the nimble flea in, in, in my view. So did you think that was one of your advantages back then, Gabby, that you, you didn't have to deal with all those other decision making processes and red tape? Absolutely. And that's a major, a major advantage to all startups is the ability to make decisions very quickly. And, yep. uh, and I can see right now with large and small companies, the difference is, is just he heaven and earth. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, and that allowed companies like Catch and Kogan and uh, in the early days, also the boys from SICK and the guys from real estate, et cetera, to get mm -hmm. into territories that really were owned by media and the large, uh, you know, retail high end of town. And, uh, and today, Catch and Kogan are being mentioned in the same sentences, uh, you know, Amazon and, uh, and eBay, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, again, companies that started from garages, uh, in, you know, in all, all around the country, uh, just just with the dream and, uh, and 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 a lot of energy and drive uh, to be able to succeed. But uh, by the time uh, we turned four or five, the business was already Australia's most watched online shopping site. And yeah. uh, once once you build the audience and the love and the trust of customers, uh, it's it's something that's so hard to 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 take from you. Mm. Uh, 
you know, as, as, as we were going, as we were growing larger, more and more suppliers uh, realized the opportunity in selling online. Uh, better brands and better prices appear on the site. And uh, you create some sort of an amazing uh, snowball that, that cannot be stopped. Uh, and it, uh, it, it truly became a destination. Uh, mm. And how, how long until you, you thought you wanted to get catch.com.au as the, as the domain name instead of catch of the day? Uh, that, that really only happened in 2017. So, oh, wow. uh, so, so, so we're jumping quite ahead. Yeah. Uh, in 2017, we, uh, we realized that uh, the business was not growing. We actually breached a revenue of around $250 million of sales in 2012. But here we are in 2016, and we are still around $250 million worth of sales. Right. And we talk about that in length uh, in the book, that we had to sit there and make uh, quite a few decisions. Mm. And uh, one of the decisions that we've made, and the most important one, was to, uh, to add a marketplace component to, uh, to the catch of the day business. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2016, Catch of the Day had about $40 million worth of stock sitting in the warehouse. We had about 30,000 SKUs that we were selling. But in comparison to, uh, to an eBay that would have tens of millions of SKUs, our range was still very, very limited. And uh, we talk in the book how both myself and my brother were really pissed off seeing our wives receiving parcels at home from various other companies that were not, <laughs> that were not Catch of the Day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the one that annoyed me the most, and I spoke to the owner this week, was uh, was Peters of Kensington. My wife used to buy a lot of uh, homewares from Peters of Kensington, and every time I saw that pink parcel, I got really annoyed. <laughs> Why don't you buy from Catch? Yeah. And, and her answer was, "It's because you don't have what I want." And she was a thousand percent correct. You know, Catch was all about events, time limited offers that would last for a short period. So yeah, I started that, um, you know, both, both my wife and my brother's wife were ordering lots and lots of parcels from companies that were not catch. And when we asked them, why are you not buying from us? The general message was, it's because you don't have what I want. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and that really led us towards, uh, towards launching the catch marketplace. Uh, of course, it wasn't our idea, you know, we were looking at what was happening all around the world and in the worlds of Jeff Bezos, marketplaces are uh, eating the world and yes. uh, and uh, in 2017 we launched uh, we launched a marketplace and we started allowing other sellers to be able to sell to the uh, very lucrative uh, catch audience yeah and, wow. uh, the other thing that we had to do around the time is we found that we had to rebrand because catch of the day was something that we launched in 2006 with the yep. premise of selling one deal a day but uh, we were trying to build a business that would offer two and three million two three million products at any given time. Wow. And the transition to catch was a, a very easy one because uh, you know from the beginning we were referring to ourselves as catch. We were referring to ourselves as catches, and uh, the audience uh, you know truly accepted the name uh, in a very simple way. Yep. So, what was the process in terms of? Uh, acquiring that domain because I mean this is yeah. a is, this is primarily a podcast about domains domain yeah. investing buying domains yeah. uh, and we're very very keen to to learn those uh, that information so how did that process come about you going okay we need to change and up upstep our branding and we want to have that one word name that sort of sums up what we do um, was that difficult to get tell walk us through the process of that Look, we, just like you, we actually love domain names and, uh, and we've acquired many domain names uh, along the years, uh, paid a lot of money for some of them, but overall, I think we're quite profitable on, yep. uh, on, the, whole, yep. uh, on the whole game of, uh, of domains. Finding a, a .com.au domain is still quite easy and we go, we go through this process all the time, trying to think about various domains and various business opportunities and uh, mm -hmm. ventures that we want to launch. But finding.com, as you know, is becoming very much close to impossible. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, everything, everything has a price. And yeah. mm. uh, I remember when uh, a few years ago, about five or six years ago, we really thought that we should uh, buy the domain name catchoftheday.com. Right. Uh, just in case, you know, just in case we have any aspirations of yeah. online. 
And yeah. catchupday.com was owned by some uh, fish and chip shops somewhere in God knows where. It was Hawaii or California? I don't think. <laughs> that makes sense. Fish yeah. and chip shop. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, we, we generally negotiate with them. We would not, we would not negotiate directly because once they find out who is the person that is interested in buying, the price will go up. So it will be negotiated through some sort of a domain middle name, middle middle uh, person. Uh, a broker, not, like Rob. Rob's a, a Rob's a domain broker. Yeah. <laughs> Next time, if I'm not mistaken, we paid hundred thousand dollars for catchoftheday.com. Oh wow! Yeah, that's up there for a, for a long .com. But I guess. They had the powerful position of not needing to sell it because they were running a fish and chip shop on it. Exactly, but uh, I'm guessing it's taken a few months to do. It's not something that happens overnight. Hundred thousand yeah. dollars is a lot of money for a fish and chips operator. Yeah, true. For us, it's a great brand uh, to secure. The truth yeah. is, I don't remember how and when we purchased Catch.com. I've got the feeling the story is very similar, and the price would be very similar as well. Okay. Uh, last week, we purchased a couple of .com domain names for $50,000 each for, uh, for a business that we're going to launch uh, early next year. Unfortunately, I can't share the name with you. But okay. uh, look, securing your domain name is so important. We truly are big believers that uh, your brand uh, you know, is, is who you are. Uh, the name has to be strong. The name has to be uh, spellable without mm. anyone asking, uh, can you please repeat uh, what, what you've actually uh, meant? Uh, in the past, uh, we have uh, secured brand names like uh, coupons.com.au yep. that, that we own today and never used. Uh, would you believe we paid $200,000 to buy coupons? Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, I will believe it. <laughs> I would believe that, yeah. Especially, well, even if you didn't use it, Gabby, you you did lock it down yeah. for a close and substantial connection to a business you were doing, which was yeah. Scoop on, and you and and no one else could use it. So you weren't you were stopping a competitor from launching, which was worth the money. Correct. Would you believe we have never used the URL coupons, and it still sits there, and we'll keep paying the registration fees. We own yep. lots of silly names, man. Most of them I won't mention to you just in case someone wants to go and trademark my next business ideas. But I mean, <laughs> even, even names that are not related to, uh, to e-commerce. Like, for example, we own uh, recycling.com.eu. Uh, Fantastic. That, that I've never That's used. cool. I own, a, I own a great name that I love and never done anything with called special.com.eu. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. I think, I think there's a great brand name for something. I don't know what oh, it is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, Com completely. At uh, some stage in the past. Uh, yeah. Others that come to mind are uh, closeouts.com.au. Uh, yeah, that's you know, cool. Massive brands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so your, your thought process, because uh, this is often the conversation we have, and we talked about .com and also .com.au. Now, the thing we typically say to people looking at buying domains and, and advising clients is if you want to have any type of international presence, you absolutely have to have the .com. It's, it's the king of domain names globally. You have to have it. You can't run an international business very well. You could, but it'd be tricky uh, for .com.au. But Different story. If your target market is purely Australia, um, you need to have the .com.au. And I've, yeah, I've you yeah, know, the you've best got, one you can get with the most money you can afford. But it's a good point: is that your business was purely uh, catch of the day was purely operating within Australia, correct? Catch, catch of the day, and catch. We've never had any international aspirations. You can imagine how many uh, offers and emails we've received. Can we please start catch of the day in South Africa, in Sri Lanka, in Bangladesh, oh, you, you name it. And our answer was always the same. We don't understand your market. We're not interested in losing focus. We are super busy building Australian businesses and our methods of growth, we're building vertical businesses along the lines of Scoopon, Eat Now, uh, Grocery Run, Mamgo, and, and, and so on, rather than yeah. build, build, building uh, you know, franchises of, uh, of catch of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where, where does creating Eat Now and Menu Log come in the scheme of things compared to, to catch, of the, catch of the Day? When, when did that come along? So uh, in the book, there's a very nice chapter about a period in life where we went absolutely crazy and started building more businesses. 
So we find ourselves in April 2010 discovering this company in the USA called Groupon, and we really loved their model. And yeah. uh, as uh, Edward mentioned earlier, the start of that chapter is called Great Idea by Midnight, Execute by Midday. We oh, saw Groupon it. on uh, Monday, and we just said, let's do it. And my brother stepped out of the building and started building a team around himself, and, uh, and, and, and we launched Scoopon. Interestingly enough, around the same period, about 80 different startups around Australia built some form of a Scoopon competitor, and today there's only two players. Uh, yeah. Scoopon that ended up merging with Kudo and uh, Groupon. Scoopon yeah. was a super successful business and super profitable in 2010, 11, 12. And we asked ourselves, hey, what else can we do? Because we've got an amazing uh, toolbox in our office. And our yeah. toolbox was an amazing database of you know, millions of customers that love us, a great IT team, a great distribution capability, uh, marketing team, uh, design team, legal team, and so on. And uh, the next business that we launched was a company called Grocery Run. That happened in uh, late 2011. Grocery yeah. Run was basically a supermarket online for non-perishable uh, goods. And would you believe that Grocery Line was selling groceries online before Coles and Woolworths? Oh, wow. So, uh, it, was, yep. it was a different world at the time. And again, yeah. it was very successful. Six months later, we launched another business called Mumgo. Mumgo is basically, uh, call it baby bunting online, which was also very successful doing exactly, uh, exactly that. In the same year, we also acquired 70% of a wine business based in Adelaide called Vinomofo that, yes. uh, that everyone knows today. The guys yeah. from Pinamofo moved from Adelaide to Melbourne, worked in our business. And uh, the truth is, we were just completely unfocused in 2012, 2013. We were running five uh, various, very successful wow. businesses. Yeah. Catch was still uh, doubling every year. And unfortunately, we didn't have time for the Vinamofo guys. And, yeah. uh, and, and a year later, they exited the business uh, very happily and kept on growing that business. And, uh, and we love them and, uh, and we wish them all the best. Yeah. And the next business that we launched in 2012 <laughs> was, uh, was Eat Now. We spotted a very hot uh, growth opportunity all around the world in the USA and in Europe. And that was yeah. food delivery. Today, everyone knows exactly what it is because we yeah. all see all those uh, riders delivering yep. food to all of us on menu log uh, Uber Eats and uh, Deliveroo and various others every Crazy. night. Well, was uh, Eat Now the first one in 2012 that was delivering? No, no, no we, we were not the first one. The first one was Menulog, a Sydney-based company. Okay. They probably started about seven or eight years before us. I'm really? Guessing, wow, I'm yeah. guessing when they started it, they started using uh, you know, pen and paper and later on moved to, uh, to phone orders or fax orders. Oh, wow. Uh, by, by the time we launched, there were a strong established business that controlled most of the food delivery in the market. But yeah. again, the market was very small at the time. And yeah. uh, we managed to build uh, it now to be the second largest food delivery player in the market. We spent a lot of money, time and effort and uh, hard work for uh, two and a half years. And uh, we did what we like to call one plus one equal three. We merged with our number one competitor, which was uh, Menulog at the time. Yep. The merge happened in uh, February of 2015. Mm -hmm. And uh, suddenly we had about 95% of the food delivery in Australia, would you believe? Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, two combined companies. Yeah. Uh, what happened then? Uh, every single uh, Amazon of food delivery from around the world showed a lot of interest in the Australian combined entity of menu log and eat now. And uh, as we say in the book, we could have written a whole book just about that story. But uh, in our book, it only takes about 10 pages and uh, we can only talk about it for five minutes. But in June 2015, uh, the combined group ended up selling to a company from England called uh, Just Eat for yep. uh, the crazy sum of $855 million. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, yeah, they're, they're big numbers in, in anyone's, in anyone's book. And look, this, this is, the, this is the, uh, the, you know, the crazy thing. You've got all these parallel businesses going on. I, I'm, I'm wondering how on earth you even actually had time to eat or sleep or do anything. I mean, yeah, um, obviously yeah, you- Literally hiring a bunch of people to just keep your head above water? You know what? We, we, 
a lot of people ask that question. And yes, when I think about it right now, at a period of my life that I'm doing absolutely nothing, uh, to how <laughs> we actually did in 2012, 13, 14. But, uh, you know, the last uh, lesson in our book, I think we left it as the most important lesson in our learnings. And the last lesson is uh, it's all about the people. And yeah. I think from early on in the journey, we realized that we need to surround ourselves with smart people. Myself and my brother have not been the CEO of this business from as early as 2011. Right. Uh, we realized that we don't have the skills to be the CEO. We were the ideas people, the drive people, the chutzpah, the uh, lots of other things, but we were not interested in the day-to-day -day management of it. Uh, just like we were not the CFO, we CEO, we were not uh, involved in financial or legal or various other matters in running of that business. And the general message is surround yourself with really smart people, yeah. which is something yeah. that we managed to do. Uh, those smart people turned into entrepreneurs with an I, not with an E. People that really care about the business, that come every single day to work and care about it just as much as the founders of that business. Mm. And together, we often found ourselves in a room with 10 really smart people that really care. And when you put 10 smart people around the table, that's where decisions happen. And they yes. happen quickly. What I yeah. often see with yeah. large corporatized companies is that the smart people in the building are being pushed aside and no one wants to listen to them because yep. the managing director wants to hear himself and the founder wants to hear themselves. And yeah. that problem happened. And that's where your good people just quit your business and want to work somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got out of your own way. That's yeah. um, we, managed, then... we managed to build a really, really happy workplace where people love to stick around. Uh, mm. People were remunerated well. But it got to a point that it was past the, the financial game. It's about working with friends. And when you work with friends, you don't care about the time of the day or the, the day of the week or whatever it yeah. is. It's about achieving something together. It's about celebrating together. And, uh, you know, we've, we, 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 we always we always achieved so much with, with, with smaller teams. Yeah. 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 And that's very obvious and, and, uh, and documented in the book. There's lots of pictures of yourself with teams and um, it's, it's a journey shared with, with other people. Right. And I think that's an important thing is having the humility to understand that you, yes, you're part of the, the process. You come up with the ideas and other things, but uh, to actually get any successful business, moving and, and uh, to the levels that you got yours, you need to have that team around you. And I think a lot of uh, small business people try and do things on their own. Um, I've been guilty of it in the past myself. You think you're a rock, you think you can do it all, but it's just absolutely not true. Uh, and it's probably one of the biggest limiters I've seen in, in companies we've worked with. So, so look, um, look, I think the, um, the, the, the key message is uh as Molly Meldrum would often say on Countdown, do yourselves a favour, go out and get the book Catch of the Day. Again, one of the best reads of any business book I've had for a long, long, long time. Um, and we've, we've been chatting to you for about 50 minutes now. That's gone very fast to us. I don't know whether it's been torturous for you, Gabby, whether it's you know, podcast 747 about this business forever i can talk for four hours three hours five oh, minutes great. all right well, well we'll push on for a little bit longer and you tell us you tell us guys shut up i've got to go i tell um, the stories the way they are I, you know it's all in my memory I've, I've i've written the book talking about the book for a second you talked about it a lot if you can permit me i'm, I'm, so, I'm so encouraged by getting amazing uh, feedback coming to my email phone uh, linkedin etc for people that are reading it and that person could be a 19 year old student or the yep. CEO of Australia's largest company. I can tell you everyone will be reading this book this summer. It will certainly looks like it's going to be the, the Bible of Australian uh, entrepreneurship. And I'm so encouraged that this book is touching so many individuals out there. And everyone is learning something from it, you know. And people stop me in the street and they talk to me about some part in the book. And everyone is being touched by something else. And... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's super exciting for me to see people getting inspired by it. And I honestly think that it will go out there and people will improve their, their, their businesses by, by learning from some of, our, uh, some of our lessons. Oh, there's, there's like 
hundreds and hundreds of lessons and it even yeah. says it on the cover of the book i can't wait to read it <laughs> i deliberately have not read a few weeks ago ed was saying you've got to read it and i said you know what i'm deliberately not gonna read it so i'll <laughs> speak to gabby first now that we've on the show and literally after i hop off this podcast i'm going to get the kindle version yeah. and i'm going to spend the next yeah. few days definitely yeah, reading, it. Sounds we'll be reading it in their christmas holidays and i know that this book will be all over because everyone is posting about it on LinkedIn and social media. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I know that each person that reads it becomes some sort of a convert. And when you love something, you share it with 100 people. It takes me back to the early days of Catch of the Day. We grew yeah. by word of mouth. Yeah. Telling their friends. We never spent any money on marketing in, uh, in our early days. It was all about word of mouth. Yeah. And I think the same thing will happen with, uh, with the book on a different scale, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I look, and in terms of the book, just how long did it actually take you to write from from the? Well, what was the actual motivator first of all? Yeah. What yeah. what was it? Uh, legacy was it? Uh, the, the the profits from charity? What was it that actually yeah. drove you to write the book first of all, Gabby? I mean, we we left Catch in uh, August two thousand and nineteen, and uh, I decided to write the book in December twenty nineteen together with my brother. The reasons for it were were, were multiple. To be honest. One of the main reasons is I'd like to show it to my grandchildren one day because yeah. it's, it's a story that, that I would be very proud to, to share with them. I do, uh, I, I do a few you know, public speakings and, 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 and I love looking at, at the crowd, whether it's a small crowd of 10 or a big crowd of 600. And every time I tell the story, I, I look at people's eyes and I can see how inspired they are and how thirsty they are to hear more about this story. It's mm. a, it's a, it's yep. a story of Australians, uh, you know, rug to riches. It touches a lot of people. We are a country of immigrants. And I know that many people are looking at me right now. And this story is, is, is very humble about our beginnings. And they say to themselves, you know, if, if Gabi and Hezi did it, I mean, what's, what's stopping us? We can, we can, we can also do it. So yeah. I mean, it, will, it will really inspire the next generation of, uh, of Australian entrepreneurs. Saying that, I'm getting feedback yeah. right now from India, England, and the USA. The book is all over the place. It is. It's <laughs> absolutely. It, it, yeah. it has gone. Um, I would definitely say it has gone viral. And uh, are, you, are you keeping in touch with the the sales numbers? Do you get that information given to you, Gabby? Do you have any any idea? You know what? It's only been. It's actually only been two and a half weeks since it hit the bookstores. I yeah. started publicizing it on the first of October, and everyone on LinkedIn is already sick of me. But, uh, but you know what? We talk in the book about the concept of you need to clap for yourself in the early days and then everyone will join in the applause. And yeah, I've, been, yeah. I've been screaming the, the, the message of that book from the 1st of October, even though people only received it in their mailbox on the you know, 10th of November. Oh, wow. uh, so it's still very, very early on. Last week, it was the number one selling Australian uh, uh, book on both Amazon, business book, sorry, business book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. on, both, on both Amazon and, uh, and Booktopia. Congrats. Yeah. That's, that, that's amazing. And I'll, I'll look, I'll say the, the process of writing it, how long did it take you to, so from the, the moment? Yeah, it took about six months uh, from mm -hmm. uh, December to, uh, to June. By June, we had to give it to the uh, editors and you go through about two months of, uh, of editing. Yeah. Uh, when I say six months, it wasn't full-time six months. It's not like I was yeah. sitting here and writing for eight hours a day. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. People often ask me, it must have been really hard. And the truth is, it was actually very easy. Uh, simply because I know the story. I knew yeah. which bits need to make it to the book. Uh, the hardest thing was to eliminate the bits that would not make it to the book. Yeah. It was quite obvious that we need to talk about the day that we sold a million dollars of Samsung TVs in one hour or yeah. 4,000 Toshiba laptops in uh, four hours. Wow. And, uh, and, 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 and so on. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I think it was quite, quite easy to, uh, to write. Uh, one yeah. thing that I often get from, uh, from everyone is that the book is very easy to read. Uh, I'll tell you the reason that it's very easy to read because it's being written in exactly the same way that I'm speaking to you right now. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I don't have the financial or legal lingo. Most business books are so boring and you put them down after three or four pages. And yep. uh, quite a few people have mentioned that this book is written in the same way as if Gabi and Hezi are sitting in your uh, lounge room and, uh, and reading Definitely. it. And uh, right. if you read it next, uh, you'll be able to hear my accent uh, through the pages and my uh, humor and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 
Well, yeah, yeah. that. Do you know what? You're dead right because yeah. I listened to a podcast. I've forgotten who the, who was doing. The, you were on the podcast with one of the other ones, <laughs> and um, I had your voice in my head from the second I started reading the book, which was fantastic. <laughs> now that that brings me to a question. As I mentioned, uh, well, funnily enough, Rob owns audiobook.com.au, and I own audiobooks.com.au. And uh, that that um, was something I asked you. Are you doing an audio book? And you said yes. Yeah. And then you said I don't know whether you used unfortunately, but well, you said you that you aren't the person who's reading it. There's going to be some someone else reading the book. What was the decision around that? Because I wanted to hear your voice reading it, but obviously it's not going to be the case. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think the publisher being wily. Uh, really encouraged me not to do it. So I sent her an SMS a couple of days ago, what's going on with the audiobook? And I was told that it will be released uh, sometime in January. And mm-hmm. they actually like it like that. So it's just, it brings it back to the, uh, to the front. Yes. Once again, oh, which yeah. will be fine because for the next six weeks, none of us really want to do anything. Uh, no, no, that's... Me not to do it. They said that it's not fun. I'm going to have to be locked in in a room with a dark room with headphones for a period of about four days or so and uh you know post corona it's not something anyone wants to do <laughs> fair fair enough look regardless i'm going to uh, to get it anywhere of course um because you are right once i hear uh, some american guy with some american accent pretending to be me it's not going to be the same <laughs> oh it's also america okay right well look look regardless um uh, it, it'll be fantastic. Now, I, I wanted to ask you a question. I don't know whether you can answer this or not. Just going back to domains very quickly, because I don't think we asked you. Do you recall and can you say what you paid for catch.com.au? The, the, the truth is, I, I don't. <laughs> you don't you, you don't know? You can't remember? I, I actually don't remember. All right. Know. Well, well yeah. we, can, can we ask you a favor can, can we follow up with that yeah. is that is that something you can you can find out for us and we will put it in the show notes because we, we try to put yeah. these things out there uh, to educate the market on domains domain values um, and I right now that we'll know let's let's, <laughs> let's see if we can get it live let's oh, wow. get it let's <laughs> let's get this get it, uh, and um I might, while you're typing that, I think it's... Wait a second, is it catch.com you want to know? No, no, catch.com.au, because I don't think you guys own catch.com from okay. what I've seen. It, it points to something to do with Apple. Um, Sorry to interrupt, but it's clear that it's clear that you're on a... Sorry, what was that, Gabby? It's a very loose podcast. We can chat, we can SMS. Absolutely. I'll come back, you know. You can absolutely go to the toilet, Gabby, if you need to. Um, we, we, we do keep it uh, fast and loose and fun. We like to, right. we like to have a laugh because cool. it's what's the, what's the point if you can't have a laugh? Go, Rob. So, I mean, financially, it's, it's clear that you can um, retire um, if you want, Gabby. I mean, some people retire at 40, but it sounds like you're not going to do that. And, and it sounds like you're going to create more businesses. Is that, is that right? Look, it's interesting because uh, when we sold the business, we said to ourselves, are we willing to continue competing against all these Amazons or should we check out right now and in the process be able to secure our future and secure our kids' future? And um, you know which path we have chosen. Mm-hmm. Then something interesting happened uh, and it's called Corona. Yeah, we're uh, going to get to that. <laughs> We all know that the business that we have sold for $230 million today is worth nothing less than 10 times that. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not bullshitting. That is the case. No, uh, no disagreement there. Nothing less than $2.5 billion about a year or so after we have sold it. Not because wow. West Farmers is smarter, not because they've got better people, simply because Corona came and changed the way businesses are being valued and the way the game is uh, operated. More and more people shop online, and uh, we all realize that that is the future. Another thing we've realized during Corona is that we can't sit at home and do nothing. Even though we wanted to do that, we sat at home for a whole year doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. uh, The last page, the last actually sentence in our book goes as follows. Uh, Gabi and Hezi love solving problems, and there's always going to be problems around. 
And let's be honest, COVID-19 has brought with it such a massive set of new problems mm. and they're all touching digital. They're touching yes. real estate in digital and they're touching working from home and it's touching you know, e-commerce, of course, and travel and, and, and you name it. And there are so many problems that we feel that require solving right now. And uh, we, we, we're definitely going to do something else in 2021. Wow. But, uh, but yes, it is a little bit different to launching a business in 2006 where you risk absolutely everything that you have. And uh, it really means uh, the difference between putting food on the table or not putting food on the table. Yeah. Luckily yeah. enough, we are in a different situation right now. We can hire the best people in the country. Uh, we can take a risk. And this book talks in many ways about taking risks. And we are very much big risk takers. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, it's a mm. lot of fun starting something from scratch. Yeah. Uh, we love startups. You love startups. Yep, uh, yep. And uh, yeah, looking forward to bringing some more interesting products that uh, Australians will be entertained and uh, enjoy with. Well, what we would like to do is when that happens, when you can publicly reveal what they are, because you said you've got some things in the works, yeah. um, we'd love to have you back on the show to talk about them and help launch them. Not that you need our help to launch it, just to be no, clear. No, no. <laughs> how you got the domain name first before you launched. Yeah. yeah. And, and we had to pay for the .com versions. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that, and that's the thing. So, uh, even regardless if if you're um, not going to be going international with this particular business, it does help try and protect the brand and and um, and this yeah. Business definitely, definitely has a global opportunity and a global oh, wow. appeal. And for that okay. reason, we had to secure the uh, the dot com pre launch. Uh, and for that yeah. reason, we also changed the name of the business uh, four times in one month. Is that this, because you couldn't get the domain name, right, Gabby? Yeah, that's right. See, that's genius. I, I, I mean, as a domain broker, I, I tell a lot of my clients this. Yes. If, if I come, if they say, Rob, we need to get this domain name, and, and I try for a month or two, and I say, they're being just totally, they're saying it's a, it's a quadrillion, zillion dollars. It's, it's unrealistic. Half the time, it's better to just change the brand before you yep. take that next step. Thanks, guys. If you I can. Great uh, afternoon with you today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so on that note, um, if you do hear back about the uh, catch.com.au price, we'll, uh, we'll, be in, I'll, we'll be in. I'll, I'll email it to you. Email or in the in LinkedIn chat. So uh, look, Rob and I were stoked to have you on. Thanks for coming on. Um, so as you said, you could talk about uh what what you've done and the the history of 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 catch and all the other businesses uh, to you to your uh, to you're an old man the book is an easy book to read uh, most people tell me they finish it within uh, eight or so hours uh, most people finish it in the weekend because once they start they can't put it down uh it was great spending an hour with you but uh yeah yep yeah definitely reveal a lot more of our uh Secrets to success and secrets of uh, failure as well. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right. Well, thanks everyone thanks, for tuning in to this to this episode. Thanks, Rob, and especially thanks, Gabby. Stay safe, stay hungry, and uh, good fortune to you all. Bye for now. Thanks, guys. Yeah.